to the May 2011 podcast of Ordinary Means. You're here, so that means you found us on the web at OrdinaryMeans.com. I am your host, Sean Nolan, here with Matt Bowling. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hey, Matt. How are you? Doing and all right. Thank you. I'm thinking we need like a third person for this one. My alter ego? Well, I'm thinking we need, you know that anonymous computer voice? Oh, Sean, Matt, how are you? You know, because today we are talking about uh, today we're talking about technology and the ordinary means. I am utterly convinced we've done a podcast on something similar before, but we could not find it on the website. So we're going to do it again. And um, and if you are one of the five people who listen <laughs> to the podcast and you're such an aficionado of it that you can refresh our memory as to what we said back then, hopefully we're saying something similar this time. <laughs> well, I think things have changed. My 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 memory, if I'm recalling correctly, you know, memory is the second thing to go. Um, I can't remember what the first one is. Me either. I can't. I can't but remember. If if I'm recalling correctly, it was about a year ago, and. Things have changed. Um, things have gone in some very different directions. Technology is always morphing. Um, the way we serve technology is always morphing. This was uh, this was Neil Postman's point in uh, Technopoly, is that instead of building technologies to serve us, uh, more and more we are serving the technologies that are created. Um, you know, great proof in point, we'll, we'll date this podcast just by saying this, but the iPad. The iPad is a great example of people having to have it because it exists, not necessarily. That's not to say some people don't wait and buy it if they can actually use it. I think there certainly are people who do that. But the, the huge mm-hmm. amount of sales of the iPad say something about the fact that when something comes out new and it's it's as as the ads say. It's a magical device. <laughs> um, we we want it simply because it exists, and we're willing to frame our life and our checkbook around these technologies technologies that we want simply because they exist. Now we don't want to just talk about technology. Um, we want to relate this to the ordinary means, and we want to ask the question: How do things like ebooks? and iPads, and laptop computers, and even technological philosophies. Now, this is, this is something that's going to take some time to flesh out, but the idea that technology is not neutral. Technology, mm-hmm. and you know, an iPad is not simply something that you can put whatever you want onto it, but the very means becomes the message. The... the the use of an iPad, I read an article recently, it was fascinating. Why did they choose the edges around the iPad to be black? Hmm. It's because they want it to disappear. They want mm. it to be as That if, it is your view on the world. It's your, it's your view on the world that there is no... It's almost as if the technology is not there. That hmm. that's the... And here's the key word here. That's the philosophy behind the te- technology. Technology it invisible to you. It, yep, and and the same thing. I mean, you you saw that with the iPods; they got consecutively smaller. Until I I was waiting for the iPod Micro, but I never that one never came out. 
um, the nano keeps getting smaller and smaller. Um, right. One of these days we'll have the we'll have the um, uh, what is it, the injected the 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 iPod inject <laughs> where they actually put it into your bloodstream and you can hear the music. Nobody around you can, but it, what it uses is it uses the blood flow to your ears to create the tonal varieties to produce the music. Um, I'm not sure where you store the CDs or how you plug yourself into the computer to sync with it, but um, it, it, may, it may as yet come. <laughs> but you're right. It, 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 it's the, the cyborg future is not, uh, it's not fantasy. No, it's, it's quickly becoming reality. This is, yeah. this is stuff that, you know, the touchscreen that was so popular on um, Star Trek so many years ago. And now here it is. Um, I just watched a video. I should put a link to this. Have you seen the video by Corning? You know, Corning, no. the, the, the glassware, they make glassware. They put out a um, sort of imagination video of what the world could look like with their glass touchscreen technologies. Mm-hmm. And they just they did this fascinating video of a house that's entirely, I mean, every wall you can touch it and it does something. It'll bring up a video screen. You know, the countertop um, of the of the stove is glass and you can change the temperature with a touch screen and all these things that at one time you would have said, wow, how sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But now it's it's real. I mean, what Apple has done in making the iPad so accessible is they've said the next wave is is touch screen. We're we're getting rid of peripherals. And you know when does the when do we get rid of the peripheral of, peripheral of the human being? Mm-hmm. Um, because because technology carries with it a philosophy. Technology is not neutral. It and brings, it brings baggage with it. Yeah, it, it brings baggage with it. Now, if you flip this around, if you think about um, communication technology or education technology, we don't always think of education. In technological terms, uh, but I was just listening recently to um, interview that uh, Ken Myers on his Mars Hill Audio Journal. Um, just highly put in recommend a recommendation it. there. Highly recommend it. Um, he recently did shameless an interview. Plug. Shameless plug. Uh, he has been our guest before. You can go back and listen to that one. Uh, he interviewed two guys that wrote a book um, called "Education for for Human Flourishing." by Paul Spears and Stephen Loomis. And one of the things that they talked about in the course of talking about many things, uh, one of the things that they talked about was how education has become technologically driven. In other words, the way that we make consumer products is the way we've begun to educate children, or not just begun, we're, we're thoroughly entrenched in it. Uh, we we view children almost as machines. Uh, this is why the important thing is not that the children understand the material and its practical um, uh, its uh, its practical outflow, but that they pass standardized tests. Mm-hmm. That they and, and and there's a book that's on my list to buy that one of my friends. Uh, suggested to me how to measure anything. Yes, yes. This that, is by that, a, sta- that's it's our, a statistician that's, that's who's written quest. that. What's that? 
Um, the fellow who wrote it is a he's either a sociologist or a statistician. Right. Right. And, and it's, it and it yeah. and it um the idea is that if you can measure it it's real. So a children a child we know that a child has really learned if you can measure it. And the way you can measure it is by giving them a test supposedly. Um but uh <laughs> that that was never the way it was done until extraordinarily recently. Of course, nobody would know that. But historically, if you look at education, the way that it was done, that was not... Had you formed a person, that was the way uh, you knew if education had done its job. Well, and form form is the key word, that education is to be formation. Formation of character. Formation not just of head knowledge but for formation of skill sets and the ability to use knowledge, um, you know, as the title of the book suggests, for human flourishing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, so technology, what that's saying is in education, we're, we're trying to treat children as morally neutral. And you, you, can't, you can't do it. They're learning something by the way they're being educated. They're, they're learning to be treated as machines. And so how are they going to engage the world? How are they going relate to... Relate to anybody? They can't. Uh, yeah, how will they relate? They will relate to people as machines, which is very interesting that now so much of communication is happening via machine. Um, just heard recently there's a, there's a new book on leadership that's coming out and the argument is being made, you know, this very well might have been the same Mars Hill Audio Journal, uh, number 101. Uh, the argument is being made that leadership conferences are being held. And they are all about creating managers, not leaders. Bizarre. People who are going for You know the- I'm a big leadership guy. Oh, yeah. and that, that, oh, yeah. that instantly strikes me as bizarre, upside down, and backwards because the church doesn't need managers. It needs leaders. It, leads, it needs men with vision. It needs men who can see the future before it happens. And what's happening is we're viewing efficiency yes. as the end all. And this is a great warning that, that Neil Postman gives in Technopoly. That that and and this is a hard thing for Americans because we're very hardwired. Our entire economy is built. If you understand a little bit of economics, you understand a little bit about productivity and gross national product and all the things that go into that. And of course, we don't have time in a podcast like ours to give you that whole download. But if you understand that, the whole economy is built on productivity gains. And so every company that understands that hardwires you to be more. Uh, efficient because you make the way that you make profit, the way that wealth is grown, the way that all this happens is by becoming more efficient. So you're able to produce the same amount of stuff and sell it at the same price, but with less work behind it. And that's how you make profit. And that's how your company is valuable and how your stock price grows and all that kind of stuff. So we hardwired in our economy, good, appropriate, helpful, even biblical. Um, you can't import that over into church or relationships. It doesn't there there are two and postman was very, very strong in warning about this. That that you can't you can't 
merge the two of those and other books that we'll recommend over this will be a series of podcasts that we do but other books that we'll recommend will just really warn you about that that without that perspective um you know even where i am in seattle uh the city is a very popular kind of um private facebookish kind of thing for churches you go to their website they subscribe to the city and you can do all this internet working within your own church on the city as it exists, I don't know if you've heard about this, Sean. I, I haven't. It's, it's sort of so it's sort of a hub. It's an internet. It's sort of a hub, basically. Hub. Yeah, it's an online hub. So there are great things about the city. It replaces the old phone, for example. It replaces the old uh, phone chain or the the phone tree for a church. Okay, because everybody's on email or Facebook or whatever. At least younger people. Um, and so it's an effective means of communication. Um, but is a post on the city that drops into your email box and ends up on your phone and you're reading it haphazardly as you're working even the same as a phone call from somebody? Um, much less you getting that same information personally from them as they're at your table that night. That's the kinds of things that we're trying to kind of rub or kind of push towards is that a lot of the way church is done and things are getting pushed towards um, is that technology sort of replaces what used to happen personally. And what is the effect of that? And can you deliver the ordinary means impersonally? Would, would the Apostle Paul have used the Internet if he had it? Which is an interesting question because it was one, Sean, we talked about this a little bit before we got on, online. I, I participate with a group of guys uh, out here in a network of churches, and one of the leaders in this network of churches said that has been quoted as saying that if the Apostle Paul had the Internet, he would have used it. And in a discussion context, I immediately responded back because of what a lot we're going to talk about over the next several months here, um, at least the way that I've been formed through Marshall Audio Journal, um, through reading some books that will link up Quentin Schultz's Habits of the High-Tech Heart um, and Technopoly by Neil Postman, that much of our technology is actually disordering, not ordering to our lives. And so in the context of us discussing this quote by um, uh, one pastor who said that the Apostle Paul would have used the Internet if, um, if he'd been around, I said, I don't think that he would have. I think the Apostle Paul would have seen the distortion that doing church technologically would bring in, and he would say that it's actually against um, what it means to be human. Um, and and uh, so, anyways, that was a pretty strong statement, and that's what got Sean and I started on going down this road. Hopefully, with all of you making some sort of sense, um, because it, it it really is a pretty valid question, you know, is the ordinary means delivered through a TV? we just go back one generation. Is the ordinary means delivered through a TV? Somebody who sits at home and hears a good sermon on the radio or through TV, is that is that the same as being in person in a congregation? In, engaged in a, in a liturgical moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just recounting with the, one of my I met with one of my elders yesterday, and we were recounting a Sunday evening service where we sang a song that we'd sang before, but for whatever reason, 
um, I think it probably had been the teaching in the sermon in the morning, the teaching in our Sunday school class or whatever, or what God had been teaching a whole lot of us about the gospel. We sang the power of the cross by the, by the Gettys and Stuart Tennant. And it was just one of those moments where we were all just struck. I mean, you can't say it any different than God showed up. And I don't know that, I don't know how to articulate it, but if you had listened to a recording of us singing that song, and you even heard us, you know, there'd be a long pause as there was that night because no one wanted to say anything. We were just all struck by the gospel because God had shown up. And you couldn't have gotten that if you weren't there. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is that night, the message of the gospel through a song struck us personally together in a group setting. Um, and the ordinary means, in my mind, are something that's, uh, at least personally as we look would look at it, it's certainly me personally interacting with God in prayer and the word. And then in church, through the preached word, through the sacraments, and through uh, prayers that we do together. And can you do that kind of thing technologically? You know, a popular thing is, you know, uh, the multi-site model. Well, it has some real benefits to it. The concept, at least in some iterations of the multi-site model, where you'll have one preacher that's sort of broadcast in a couple of locations. Um, There are some things to think about there. It certainly is efficient. There's no doubt about that. And it does help with resources and all those kinds of things. But is it the same thing? What kind of assumptions are we making when we say that's a good thing? What are we saying about human personhood, about um, the presence of God as he manifests himself through his word animated by a person who's not there? That, that's, the, that's, a, that's the kind of vein of things... We, we want to talk about and more broadly, I think how, how, uh, technology shapes our hearts, what it promises us, what it teaches us, what message it communicates all by itself, irrespective of what it's seeking to deliver to us. Um, there's a lot there to consider and in, in their intersection with the ordinary means. Now there's an inherent irony here. We're doing this. <laughs> we're doing you mean this podcast. Us? Oh, we're doing a podcast. So we're using a very. <laughs> we're using technology. We're using to do technology. This. So I guess what to we encourage people that you should stop listening to podcasts. No, but see, that's I don't think that's what we're doing. I, I hope we're not, not saying we're against technology. I mean, I would never, um, I would never Love say, I- don't use a computer. Right. Or I, you know, I would I wouldn't say don't listen to a podcast or don't use the internet. That's not so much the issue. Is what we want to do is raise the philosophy question: What is the philosophy behind the technology, so that we can use technology smarter, so that we can use technology in ways that um, don't contradict our philosophy? Because for example, I'll give you an example. You've you've brought up this idea of uh, of community, and obviously nowadays 
there are all sorts of online communities. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that is in, inherently a, um, a contradictory statement because Facebook is not an online community. It's an online device for um, perhaps connecting is an okay term, but you notice there how it applies a, a technological term to human beings. So what you do with your USB cable or your, uh, you know, or your phone cable into the wall or the, the vacuum plug in, into the wall, that's what they're saying you're doing. You're connecting. It's the cyborg that you talked about earlier. Well, right. Facebook is a or YouTube. YouTube is is calls uh, calls itself an online community. Everybody does nowadays. But is that the kind of community that the Bible talks about when the Bible uses that word? When the Bible speaks of the assembly of the saints, right? Or the communion of the saints. Is that is that communion? Or is that a cheap alternative? And that, that's the thing we want to, that's the thing we want to question. Now, some of you are hearing this and you're saying, well, you know, I've heard all this before. Everybody talks about technology. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm t- tired of it. Besides, it's more interesting to go look at Facebook. Um, I think we're going to get at some deeper levels on this. You know, the question of, why is it since email came out, we use the phone less and less? Mm-hmm. And I um, think that we are, we are in each other's homes. Much less. less. And that's, less. that's a big, big deal because the Bible talks about eating together and the necessity of that. And that is so, so. Our, well, and, it, and as one of my, I'll, I'll channel one of my deacons here in the best sense channel. Um, <laughs> he, uh, is very good with having people in his home. He's uh, taught me a lot, um, a, a lot on a lot of things. He's taught me a lot. And, um, but one of the things that he's talked about is that it's much harder to, uh, to avoid Jesus when someone asks you a very direct question over a meal. Mm. Um, we were having a fellowship meal at our church uh, after um, a sermon and... Uh, he, he came up to the table and sat down and he goes, so how's everybody doing avoiding Jesus after the sermon? <laughs> and he got us moving towards actually discussing the discussion questions and how we had processed the sermon and what God was doing. It's very easy for us to not make the best use of the ordinary means in, in the sense of how the larger catechism talks about taking in sermons, right? Mm-hmm. And um, And we can be present for the ordinary means, but have it make very little impact on us when we're very impersonal about our interactions with people. Whereas if we're personal, then we could actually be used by God to bring the gospel to bear in each other's lives. And maybe that's more behind why we let technology sort of rule things is it allows us to stay distant from each other, distant from the obligations of one anothering, distant from helping each other take what we've heard through the ordinary means and actually see it bear fruit in our lives. Well, it, it isolates us not only from community, but it isolates us from our sin. Mm. Because one of the requirements of um, seeing our sin, one of the ways that God 
shows us our sin is through iron sharpening iron through one another. <laughs> right. And without one anothering, there, there is not that uh, fuel for repentance. Mm. Um, so have you ever had this, this scenario, Matt, where you go to a family's house and inevitably the conversation turns to, oh, have you seen this YouTube video or have you seen that YouTube video? Right. And so by the, you know, within a few moments, everybody's huddled around the computer screen. And yes, I've had this experience. Yeah, I think we've all had this experience. Everybody's huddled around the computer screen and it's, you've probably had this experience at my house. Um, the, the, we're huddled around and as soon as somebody shows theirs, somebody else chimes up and says, oh, but have you seen this one? Right. And and then the next thing you know, everybody's going home. Yeah. Um, you and I were talking before we came on the air about um, the fact that we just did a remodel in our house. And uh, we were talking a little bit about where the TV goes in the remodel. And whereas in our house, we used to have a little bit more. We have a huge TV that somebody gave us. and uh, But it's in the basement. Um. And right now it only has just a couple chairs in front of it because really the only time it gets used is if uh, my wife and I are watching an occasional television show. Mm-hmm. And how how nice that is. There's a piece not having that TV because I, I know Matt and I were joking earlier. Um, Matt is a much f- more focused individual than I am. And I blame mine on the fact that I was the statistical child who watched those thousands of hours of television uh, as as a child. You know, I would come home from school, turn on the TV, and mm-hmm. um, I yeah, I, we just lost listeners. I'm sorry, Matt, because they found that out about me. But uh, um, well, you know. I've had to I've had to learn um, how to focus because I've had all my focus done for me with the television. You know, just that simple technology that we take for – we don't even think about anymore, the television. And the way films and television are programmed, they're filmed to be our focus and to actually make it so we don't have to think. Absolutely. And so, um, so I mean, I've had, to, I've had to learn that. It's one of the reasons I chose the seminary we went to because I knew it would, it would push me in ways that I hadn't been pushed before. Mm-hmm. And, um, but are we willing to do that with community? Are we willing to, with Christianity even, are we willing to get, allow ourselves into these situations where we're pushed? And, you know, one example is without having a TV in the middle of the house, in the main sitting area, you know, when the kids are down at night and you go to sit down on the couch, you, the, you know, the first thought isn't immediately grabbing for the remote it's how am I going to spend these next few moments? Are you, yeah. eating, are you eating chips? No, sorry. I was tearing open an envelope. I'll stop. <laughs> um, how, how are we going to spend these next few moments? You might actually end up talking to your wife. <gasps> you didn't just say that, <laughs> I did, did you? I did say that. Did you? I thought you um, were just going to think that, and, and then you, you might, said it. You might have a better marriage if you talk to your wife. I can't believe um, said. The, uh, you know, you might read a book. You probably believe – are you one of those guys that believes in Ephesians 5? I can't believe we've done this podcast for this long and you actually believe 
in that chapter of the Bible. Occasionally. In my, in my better moments, in my godlier moments, <laughs> I hold to Ephesians 5. Um, but, but you know, it's that, and you feel it sometimes, particularly if you've just gone through a period of being inundated by the media. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're one of these people who sits in a job where you have the freedom to surf the internet throughout the day, you might come home at night and and find it very difficult to sit still. Yes. That is Or you compulsively grab your phone like I do and make sure they haven't missed anything. Exactly. I mean you've that's, that's one the, I think that's, that's the that's, thing. That's the thing with these mobile devices. Does anybody really need to check their email that much? Yeah. Or, or have you, as my wife reminds me, have you made yourself that available to people? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's irrelevant and sometimes it's, it's relevant. You know, and, it, and it's, it depends on once you have become dependent for urgent things on something other than a phone call, which all pastors get phone calls at home. It's part of the job. We don't have uh, pastors don't have they talk about um, you know work life divides in typical and needing to keep bright lines in your work life divide right uh, pastors don't get that liberty we're used to getting phone calls at home it just comes with the territory you work with people and people's lives are not don't happen between nine and five so it depends to a degree um, most people most of the young people that that are here in our church in Seattle are more apt to text me if they need me than to call my home phone or they know that I have email with me. So they'll email me and say, Hey, can you call me in an hour or whatever? I texted a guy last night and said, can we talk in an hour? You know, so some of it is, it is replacement for what had already been there as a level of availability. Um, but certainly it's not all that. And it's for me, it's nuancing the difference there and how it, how it changes me. Um, I know that there's some really stuff that, thankfully, I, I'm not. <laughs> I can be a compulsive person, but this I haven't gotten this compulsive where people fall asleep with their phone in their hand and they wake up at, in the middle of the night because they've got to check what happened on Facebook while they were gone. Mm. And I'm like, mm. Mm, there is nothing that's that important. Yeah, that's 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 getting into the realm of addiction. And 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 it and without and here's what's difficult is that without reading a guy like Neil Postman. Um, and, and really thinking through, um, you know, of what use is all of that information to us? What impact does it make other than sort of sedate us? At least this is me. So confession time, if you're uncomfortable with confessions, you may want to mute it for just a few seconds. Um, you know, are we just sedated by the fact that I know more? And so my pride gets a little puffed up, and I think it's been a good day because I know more. Is that really it? Really. That's, that's the entire substance of my identity as a person. Technology has convinced me that if I know more, it was a good day, and I'm a good person, and I can feel good about myself. All because you know that Facebook. your friend... I managed my Facebook image today. Oh, I see, and that, that's key, I think, Matt, is because Facebook is about image. People don't put up the bad things that happen to them. They put up the good things that happen to them. Right. 
Uh, there was an article, I think, in the New York Times recently on uh, suicides related to Facebook. Yes. Because people oh. are reading about what other people are doing and their life isn't that beautiful. Oh, it's just crushing. Yeah. Absolutely crushing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, technology, technology's not going anywhere. And maybe, maybe this is where we, this, this whole podcast has been sort of an introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll begin to, to peel some of these layers, unpack some of these ideas, um, focus more specifically on some of these ideas in future podcasts. But we wanted to get your brain, we wanted to get the cogs turning. We wanted you to be thinking about your technology and the role of technology in your life, um, not just as something that's morally neutral, but as something that carries with it a whole philosophy of thinking, a whole view of the world. Um, why is it that, that John Piper uh, had to preach a sermon on why people shouldn't be tweeting <laughs> during the service? And right. why? Be, because Twitter is not morally neutral. Right. And so. Well, and maybe the way to put it is that. Go ahead. If I can just cl- clarify, because I'm agreeing with you, but, but slightly nuancing what you're saying. Twitter itself, as a piece of technology, may be morally neutral. But our individual uses of it and the timing of our uses of it may not it may not be apparent to us the effect that it's having on forming our hearts and forming our spiritual lives yes and no i mean i i see where you're going but i think the the actual way that the application the the web app has been built is is driving you toward a certain kind of lifestyle Ah, okay. You, the, like, like, I'm important enough that people should know what I'm doing five times a day. Yes, yes there's, a, there's a narcissism inherent in most of these new communities. Anything involving a status update, you have to ask, why, am I, why do people need to know that I'm at the laundromat right now? Right. Um, right. It, uh, but you're saying the existence of something like Twitter itself. Itself, I, the, me, the medium is the message. Um, why, why am I involved in something where I'm telling the world about myself, um, you know, every so many seconds and 125 words or less. And you could go, you could go a couple directions on that. Why, why is the status update important? And then what, what is the significance of the hundred, I don't know if it's 125, it's something like that. What is the significance of the 125 word letters, characters or less, and what effect does that have on us and on our lifestyle when we begin to only think in sound bites? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and no longer are we thinking in long, drawn out. You know, when was the last time you sat down and read, you know, multiple chapters of a book? In one right. setting, a nonfiction book, in one setting, um, you know these are the kinds of these are the kinds of questions that we need to ask. Another thing that comes into this is ebooks. Mm-hmm. If, if ebooks are not or e-readers, uh, things like the Kindle, the Nook, uh, the, the iPad. Although the iPad is a multi, uh, 
um, it's not just a reader, whereas there are other devices that are dedicated readers. I think that was a question, Matt, you and I both just bought Kindles. Right, recently. We had to ask the question, is what's more important for me, a you know a device like the iPad that allows me to do multiple things, or a dedicated e-reader? And I think both of us came to the conclusion that a dedicated e-reader was more helpful in terms of focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but They're not e- distracting you to go play on the internet when you're supposed to be reading the book that yep. you so much wanted to read. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. the, you know, this is an issue. Amazon.com, apparently July of last year, they said that the sales of ebooks has surpassed the sales of hardbacks two to one, which makes sense. Ebooks are cheaper. You know, if you're a big hardback book reader, you know, if you're reading the latest novel when it comes out, you're 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 actually it's a it's a stewardship issue. Go buy a Kindle. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I couldn't do it until I could justify it financially. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But then this then in January of this year, apparently they've sold um, ebooks are outselling paperbacks now. Now, what kind? That's the issue. And I think for the most part, these are mass produced. You know, the latest the latest novella. Um, but it says something. Um, you know, the Kindles are going to, you're going to start seeing Kindles showing up in church. I mean, I know folks who've now for some time have been using their, the Bible on their phone in church. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I do. Yeah. Uh, you, while you're preaching? <laughs> Not while I'm preaching. No, while you're preaching. But yeah, if I'm traveling, it's very handy to just have the Kindle or the, or the phone. Um, because the content is the same. It's still my Bible. In fact, I I can search through. Well, now see now here's here's another issue, and I don't want to get off on another issue just as we're closing. But um, the ability to search. So I've got a Bible on my phone. I can search it and find what I need. What that that's good because I can get to scriptures that I'm that I'm looking for quickly and 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 find them. I might not have been able to find them otherwise just paging through a Bible. But at the same time, I've lost something in that I've lost what uh, many of the great scholars of yesteryear had, which was a, a patient turning of pages and, and, a, and a writing in the Bible and a, and a thinking thoughtfully about my Bible. And I'm not doing that. On a, on a phone, it's, okay, I'm reading it, scroll, you know, flipping through the pages on the phone, you know, so we call it flipping, even though you're just touching it. Um, <laughs> see, there's there's nothing wrong with an e-reader per se, but we're going to have to ask the question: How do we continue the good things? How do we encourage focus, and how do we encourage meditation on texts when the whole machine is designed to be quick and fast and soundbite esque? Yeah, how do we? produce, you know, spiritual life, which is an essentially human enterprise, uh, flourishing humanity in the best sense of that word, of those words, not in the freaky sense, but in the best sense, Um, when the technology itself communicates something that is less than human. That's a challenge. I think the other thing that's lost with e-readers and with Google 
is uh, serendipity. Hmm. When you had to thumb through an encyclopedia to find the answer to one of your questions, you ran across many other things that might grab your attention. So it's the very focus on finding just this one thing that keeps me from going past John 11 and going, huh, I totally forgot that was there. And instead of on the e-reader going right to chapter 12 and never having touched 11 because I didn't have to flip past it and saw the heading and went, huh, I didn't remember that passage and reading it and going, hmm, that's really interesting. You know, you don't have any of that anymore. You go right to 12 because you know right where it is. And um, so there's something there lost in terms of discovery, I Hmm. guess I'd say. Hmm. Curiosity. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's probably, I just channeled Ken Myers. Mm. Um, I have well, no doubt about that. <laughs> well, I hope, I, I certainly hope that this has been food for thought. Um, I'll use, the, you know, the coming month as, as you dwell on these thoughts and, and if there's particular questions related to technology that you are um, struggling with, wondering about, uh, worried about, um, maybe something about technology that is, completely revolutionize the way you do Bible study, and you're, you're so encouraged by some of the new technologies. Um, I know, actually, as I've been looking at um, the software that I use, my Bible software that I use, and um, there's an app for my phone that can use that Bible software. Um, but I don't like the small screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, but I don't necessarily want to be sitting in a computer studying it. And so it, it may be that something like an iPad is the future of computers where the technology does get out of the way a little bit and allows you to use dedicated apps. But then I'm, I'm, I'm moving into areas we need to go in future podcasts. Um, think about these things. Post, you know, post your questions, your ideas, your thoughts on the blog, and, uh, and we will Definitely pursue them in the coming months. This is an, a topic that fascinates both Matt and I. Um, if you've listened this long, you've probably figured out we're a little bit geekish. Um, and that's okay. Which, which is interesting because we're both doubters. We're not Luddites. But we're also users. And so hopefully we bring some some perspective. <laughs> Lord we're willing, u- we users. You know, I just realized the connection between that and the drug trade. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> um, may the Lord richly bless you as you pursue him through his ordinary means, uh, whether that be in the use of the technology of computers or the use of the technology of books. Uh, may the Lord bless you, and uh, we look forward to um, meeting with you more, conversing with you more in future podcasts. <laughs>